I'm a dude, and I'm inviting you to join me on a podcast about brews. Does that include stouts? Yes. Yes, of course it includes stouts. Like I was saying, join us every Saturday on the journey hey, hey, into... Hey, co- wait a minute. Do you, do you guys do anything about, like, IPAs? Yes. Like that? Yes, of, yes, of, yes, we do IPAs. Okay. It's, okay. It, yes. Anyway... Join us on the Journey into Comics Network for Brews with Dudes. Whoa, whoa, hey, hey, do you, have you guys ever, do you care if I bring some Zima on? Yes, I care if you bring Zima. Zima doesn't count. Zima, oh. Zima's, Dr. Dongo. Anyway, join us every Saturday for a podcast that delves into the craft brew world. Following is a Journey to Comics Network production. Hey, hey, this is Josh Richmond, and you are listening to the Voice of Survival podcast exclusively on the Journey into Comics Network. episode of the voice of survival during fool's week i got a special guest here this week one of my very good friends travis wilson how you doing today travis not bad how are you thanks for having me i had a really really shitty week this week so i'm glad to be doing a podcast with one of my very good friends and uh learning some more about you that's what this show is all about it's not about who I am as the host. Anybody that listens knows who I am from Podcastrophy and Game Addicts and all the other podcasting stuff that I do, but this episode's all about you. So, well, all right. Are you ready for that? I am ready. You ready to talk about yourself for a long time? Sure. <laughs> I, do, I do that a lot anyway. All right. Well, Travis, starting off, tell me, tell me where you're from. Um, I was originally born in Vermont. My dad was in the service. He was in the Army. Um, so I was born in the blizzard of 78. For those of you who are old like I am, you probably remember the blizzard of 78. It was terrible. Um, there were several different states that were damn near shut down. Um, and and what's, what's interesting about that, you know, obviously I wasn't alive then, but... The blizzard of 78 shut states down that are normally equipped to handle um, blizzard-like conditions. You know, yeah. a lot of times states like Texas, Florida, Alabama, most of the states in the Gulf, 
they get snow occasionally in the last, you know, 10 years or so. They get snow pretty regularly, and they shut schools down and shut interstates down and the whole shebang because they just don't have the equipment to handle it, and even, you know, an extremely small amount. So when a blizzard of that magnitude shuts down states that are used, especially on the eastern seaboard where they're they're used to dealing with feet of snow at a time, you know, so... That, that was a pretty big deal. It was huge. And people still talk about it, you know. Oh, yeah. Everywhere. I mean, it's, yeah, you hear about it every winter. Um, we'll get, like, you know, a foot of snow here. We live in Indiana here in the Midwest. We get a foot of snow and be like, well, it's nothing like the blizzard of 78 because that's how, that's how amazing and powerful this storm was. It just, it pretty much put the whole Midwest and eastern, northeastern, states on shutdown yep um the funny thing about that was is like i said my dad was in the service he and my mom owned one vehicle and it was an mg so obviously my mom went into labor and they couldn't take the mg out because the roads were ridiculous and the only thing that they could get was i uh, my mom went on public transportation. She got on a bus, and the bus took her to the hospital. God damn! And yeah, so um, they said I was born in Vermont, and my dad was in the service. And um, you know, after that, I think I maybe lived in Vermont maybe nine months to a year. So not very long at not all. Not very long, and obviously, I don't remember any of it. Um, from Vermont, we went to South Carolina, where he was stationed at Fort Jackson for a little bit. Um, and after that, I think he went to the West Coast in um, California somewhere, back to where my mom's originally from. And then uh, my dad had a heart attack. Um, and he was young. I think he might have been 35 or 36 years old when he had his first heart attack. Um, and then this whole ordeal with the government and him trying to get pensions and stuff like that because they medically discharged him after that. Right. He served 18 and a half years in the Army. He was a senior master drill sergeant. So he didn't get his 20. He did not get his 20. That sucks. And they basically said, you know, hey, you're done. And he's like, well, you know, he tried to get a desk job to finish out his 20 years and right. they wouldn't give it to him. Because it's a liability because, thing. At yeah, that basically point. what it was, it was all liability. So they just got rid of him. So he moved um, down to Brazil, Indiana, which is where I spent pretty much all my childhood from the age of six until 18. Mm-hmm. I graduated high school and I moved up to here to West Lafayette to go to Purdue. Um, and while I was at Purdue, uh, you know, I went to school for aeronautical technology and aviation maintenance, basically an airplane mechanic. What made you want to do that? Uh, my brother-in-law actually did the same thing. And when I graduated high school, I didn't know what I wanted to do. Right. Like I, most know, of us. Like most of us. And of course, you know, they tell you, you have to go to college. You, if you want to get a good paying job, you have to go to college. You have to do this. You can't not go to college and expect to make something of your life. So... You know, I got accepted into Purdue, and I didn't know what I wanted to do. And mm-hmm. since I had somebody in the family who did it, and he said he loves it, and he actually doesn't even work on aircraft. He was working at a facility that makes aircraft parts, and he was like the uh, 
quality assurance inspector mm-hmm. kind of deal. So any parts that they made for aircraft, and I'm talking like, you know, not little Cessnas or Pipers. I'm you're, talking, you're talking like jet commercial engine. aircraft. Yeah. So like turbine engine parts and stuff like that. He did quality assurance to make sure, you know, they met the specs for, um, you know, like Rolls Royce engines and, right. um, you know, the big Boeing, Lockheed Martin, stuff like that. That's where he got his job at. And he said he loved it. So I was like, fuck it. Why not? Well, see, and that that's actually an interesting take because, you know, I've worked in the manufacturing industry. You've worked in the manufacturing yes. industry. Um, kind of on two different sides, and we're going to talk about uh, your your career. I'm going to call it here in a little bit. Okay. Um, but we've had very bad experiences with the, you know, quote unquote, typical engineer type person. Oh yeah. Or, you know, the ramrod guy that well, this is my job, and, and I don't know how to do your job, but I'm going to tell you how to do it type of person. Oh yeah. And it, it's really. It, it's kind of nice to hear that somebody who, you know, has the education and the skills to work or fix on, fix something or to work on or fix something and they're there while it's being built. Yes. So, you know, that's that's a job and life experience saying, well, hey, you know, I've seen this part fail at this time period based on these factors. So we might want to change how we do stuff um, kind of at the beginning of the road. So we avoid that uh, at the tail end. That's that's kind of neat to hear that, that, you know, and especially so many of us go through our lives hating our fucking jobs. Oh, yeah. You know, I say it all the time. It's one of those corny Facebook quotes that you see all this all the time. But we weren't put on this earth to pay bills and die. So, and you know, there's the 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 standard. If you love what you do, yeah, you don't work a day say. in your life. You yeah. know, but that that's, that's really cool, especially that he he could kind of guide you down that path, whether you stuck with it or not. It it was nice to have somebody to kind of look up to in that regard. Yeah, and the. Actually, I had a lot of res- I have I don't had I have a lot of respect for my brother-in-law because of how much of a passion he had for doing it. Even while he was at Purdue, mm-hmm. that degree is a four-year degree. I mean, a standard four-year degree, and that's like eighteen credit hours every semester. It's a lot of work. Right. And for those of you who are listening who don't know, eighteen credit hours at college is basically the equivalent of a forty-hour-a-week job mm-hmm. because not only do you have class time and lectures but you also have labs that you have to do and then homework studying reading books and the whole shebang the whole shebang and it's like i said it's a 40 hour a week job he got it done in three years that's good so he was doing 20 to 21 credit hours every semester and yeah i mean he's a total workaholic he's a gun nut which you know whatever i like guns i'm cool i'm down with it yeah but um I mean, he just he just blasted through it, and I mean, he was on the dean's list. Um, he still went out and partied. He just, I mean, when it came to, he knew he was going to be doing this for the rest of his life, so he didn't fuck off with it. He's right. like, hey, you know, I have well, to. I'm know sure this he was. I'm, I'm sure he was paying for it himself too. Oh yeah, and you can tell the people that go to school like that that are paying for it themselves. Mm-hmm. They're the ones that are there every day. They don't miss class. Well, they're invested. Well, yeah, you know, that's an investment. I, I, I've, I've talked investment. about it. I've talked about it on podcastrophy before. Podcastrophy before how I feel about um, 
the expectations of society on getting a college degree and you know you get a degree and then you're basically no further ahead than you were before that because the market is so flooded with people with basic degrees and even people with master's degrees at this point you almost need a doctorate um you know in graduate school and the whole thing but um it, it's the, yeah i mean I, i'm not i'm not gonna get bogged down no. in, yeah. <laughs> bogged down in that but so yeah he busted his ass he made it through school he, yep. he provided himself um the ability to walk into a career mm-hmm. um yeah he um is he still doing it as as far as i know he's still doing it i don't think he's with the same company um but i i know i've i don't talk to my sister that often mm-hmm. um but I do have other family members who always tell me, oh, well, my husband's laid off right now or right. he's looking for work. I have never heard that from my sister. I think he's pretty much been working since he graduated. Um, he's very well respected. That's he cool. was a volunteer police officer down in uh, Clay County. I, actually, I think he was in Terre Haute doing it in Terre Haute, which is Vigo County. But um you know, he did that. He went hunting all the time. He would always go on hunting trips. Um, he got, he has two daughters, my nieces. Um, he's got both of them into hunting. That's cool. They, you know, um, I'm pretty sure one of them or both of them do competition shooting all with um, rifles, handguns, and bows. And so, you know, they're very outdoorsy, hands-on. Um, they had planned on building a house i don't know how far that ever got uh but they had bought some property after my dad passed away um and they were planning on building some a house out there which he was going to pretty much do everything himself he's just a very smart not an arrogant guy i mean he's smart he knows he's smart he doesn't have to rub it in your face yeah, every five days you know every five minutes hey i'm you know i went to purdue i'm well, vegan yeah i'm vegan so, but anyway, uh, I said after um, I was on a hiatus from Purdue, uh, my grades got kind of shitty, which, I mean, you come out of high school, you're used to going to school every day, you get into because college. Because you have to, not because you want to. Because you have to. And it's a whole different, a whole different thing at college because I started going to class um my freshman year and the professors straight up tell you i don't give a shit whether you're here or not mm-hmm. i get paid the same which is which is it's a like, bad thing to tell yeah. and that's part of the reason i have so many strong opinions about the education system that i do when you when you walk into class as a very impressionable you know very easily manipulated i i hate to use that word but manipulated youth and the professor looks at you square in the eye and says yeah i really don't fucking care if you're here or not that that's that's not good that's not a good foundation to build upon no because uh, then i was like well fuck it so i stayed in the dorms and i found a couple other guys that felt the same way and we learned how to play guitar together. We played uh, Mario Kart on the Super Nintendo and the 64 all the time. Did you eat lots of Had, Funyuns? I eat lots of Funyuns, play LAN parties. Uh, Quake 2 was big back then. Hell yeah, it was. So we played Quake 2. Um, I don't remember what the other game was. Diablo 2 back in those days. Uh, man, it was just 
I had a good time. But then they don't tell you if you don't show up, you're probably not going to pass your class, right. of which I did not. So I was on academic probation, um, and I started getting out of it again. And then I just kind of had a shitty year. I got a couple Fs, and I got kicked out. Well, uh, while I was kicked out of Purdue, you know, I got a couple jobs. Just I worked at a, a, a music store here in Lafayette and West Lafayette, um, which I've always music's always played a pretty important part of my life. I I just for people who don't have the music gene, it's hard to explain to somebody that doesn't when you do and you just you enjoy listening to music it doesn't matter if it's country which i don't like i like old school rap uh jazz music blues classical music um i like a lot of piano i've always loved piano music billy joel uh elton john ben folds you know stuff like that um i got into uh, dave matthews way after the whole when he was real big and everything um started listening to a lot of that so, you know, that was a big part of it. I can just, I've got the Spotify premium and I have so it's, much it's shit. It's some of the best $10 a month I've ever spent. That, I mean, I could just sit and listen to it for days on end and I would be content. I would be happy. You know, there's, there's always a music for a mood. Mm-hmm. And there's, you know, I just, I don't know how to explain. I can't put it into words what how big of a part music is of my life. Well, and that's, it's nice for you and I, you know, as good of friends as we are, we haven't been friends that long, um, like year, like in time frame wise. Um, I feel like you've been one of my best friends for as long as, you know, any of my quad, as I call it, my, my four, my four dudes that are always, that I'm always going to try and keep around me. But you and I have so many similarities as far as what kind of music we like. And I like the way that you put it when you said the music gene, because I feel that I also have it. And I, you know, I, I have a passion for a lot. I think too many things in my life, but music cinematography um you know there's a lot of odds and ends but i like to pick apart music and you you said there's a music for every mood well sometimes i feel that when even if you're listening to music that's catered to your to your to your mood i can't talk right now the uh there's a lot of music that can pull you out of that mood and put you into an entirely different state of mind and it, it's weird because it's not something that's trying to do it. No. You know, you're just listening to to something that somebody else has created, and it has such a profound effect on us as human beings. It, it's crazy, you know, and it, it's hard for most people to sit down and think about that. Well, it just the other day, I think it was yesterday, as a matter of fact, it, was, it wasn't the nicest day, but at least the sun was out mm-hmm. and it wasn't warm. But it just, you know, it had that kind of kind of feeling like oh yeah this is kind of a decent day and i just had it felt like spring yesterday felt like spring it definitely felt like spring so i just had my whole playlist uh, everything on my spotify and i just had it on random so it would jump between artists and albums and Mm -hmm. everything and i don't even remember what song it was but while it was playing all i could sit and do was just kind of stare out at the sky and the window and 
and reminisce about when I was younger and the way, you know, maybe it's not really subliminal, but maybe I had heard that song, you know, 15 years ago right. or 20 years ago, and it's activating a part of my brain saying, hey, you remember this time? Well, it's it's kind of like the, you know, people that are in the generation before, well, you're in the generation before me. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Gen X. Yeah. Damn you. Yeah. Fucking old people. <laughs> but I'm a millennial, so everybody fucking hates me for no reason because I'm heritaged out. But, you white know. White privilege. Yeah, white privilege and shit, whatever. But when I remember when I was a kid, my grandma, you know, I, I watched. I pretty much was stuck on History Channel all the time. History Channel, Discovery Channel, back when they actually had uh, things not that... Pawn shop, not Not pawn reality stars. TV shows, yeah. you know, stuff that taught you, like, real-life stuff. Yes. And uh, I was watching something on J the JFK assassination one day, and I was, like, 10 years old. My grandma said, I, I remember I remember watching, watching that when he got assassinated on TV. And, you know, in... Any modern media, they they've capitalized on that instance. Like, yeah, I remember back when when JFK was assassinated, or like, you know, I was in fourth grade. You were obviously are a little bit older than me, so. But I, I remember when um, I remember watching 9/11 on TV. Mm -hmm. You know, we watched that in my fourth grade class. So y you see these strong uh, emotional instances in life. And music has the same effect. Yes. It's exactly what you just said. You know, I, I did the same thing yesterday. Um, you know, nothing crazy or out of the, out of the ordinary, but System of a Down came on uh, the radio when I was driving home from work. And it's like I instantly flash back to when I, st I first started listening to System of a Down. And it's like, good God, that was, you know, that was like over a decade ago. Oh, yeah. I'm 26. I shouldn't be. I shouldn't be reminiscing about decades ago. You know, so there's nothing bad about thinking back on the past, man. No, absolutely not. You know, that's how you keep memories alive, and you know, people that might not be with us anymore. Um, you know, it's just I like looking back on the past sometimes. Most of the time, I do. But then, you know, you think about, you know, our ultimately. You know, journey to the grave. Right. I mean, we're all going to die. And you think about it, it's like, well, fuck. You know, 20 years ago, I'm 20 years closer to setting my foot six feet underground. You mm -hmm. know, it's just, eh, if you get in the wrong mindset, it can be, it's it can easy, be very anxiety-driven. It's very easy to get drugged down into the, the, the morbid, um, you know, shit, I'm going to die. I'm going to fucking die. I might as well, you know, I might as well just die right now. Yeah. Kind of. And oh, yeah. I hate to put it like that, but because there's a lot better mean. way to say it. But, and you know, as long as I've known you, that's, there, there's very few things that I don't talk to you about. Talking about death is one of them. Yeah. Talking about politics is one of them. Yeah. That's a heated argument. Because well, it's not an argument. I don't, I don't well, consider no, it an argument. Debate. I consider it a debate well, yes. because you and I have a lot of the same viewpoints but they're just structured differently. Right. And it, we're both intelligent people and we're both 
good at conveying our message to each other. It's just hard for our brains. They're wired so different sometimes to accept what the other person's saying, even though we're saying the exact same thing. Yes. And there is a little bit of the the dad to son mentality sometimes, I think, for you and I. Because, you know, not that you could be my dad, but you are quite a bit older than me, so... I'll be 40 in October. Yeah, I'll be 27 in October. So I could be your dad. You could be my dad. If I had an affair with a school teacher like I wanted to, because there were <laughs> several of them that always had rumors of putting out to students, and I never no, never got ne- to experience never that. Us. It's always somebody else. It's, it's always never somebody us. else. But. but anyway, so let's get back to... Uh, kind of your your late teens early 20s years so you go to purdue you get kicked out you didn't really know where you were going in life no what um, what happens next so uh like i said while i was out of purdue i was working at a music store um oh sorry yeah i guess that's where that whole tangent started um well actually real quick before before you, you we go down the rabbit hole again <laughs> You you said you said that while while you w- were attending Purdue that you got into music as far as uh, playing instruments and whatnot. Right. What what made you want to do that? Um. When I was younger, my dad um, took me to get guitar lessons, mm-hmm. um, and I I stuck with it for a little bit, and then I don't know if it just got too hard for me or I just. I didn't feel it back then. Well, you were just, also a teenager, I'm sure. Well, I was I was in fifth grade. So you were getting ready so, to be a teenager. Yeah. So uh, I just I didn't care. You know, I mm-hmm. was I was really big into sports when I was a kid. I played baseball every year. I was in all stars every year. When baseball was over, I'd play golf. When golf was over, I'd play, uh, I'd bowl, and I've been bowling since I was six years old, so 33 years now, I've bowled almost constantly, right. at least during a league of some sort. I usually don't bowl during the summer, because I like to play golf. Yeah, I like it's because we're outside. playing golf. Um, so, uh, yeah, like back then, I just, I didn't, I didn't feel, I mean, I liked music, probably just, uh, I really liked the shit that my dad listened to, mm-hmm. um, but a lot of kids in the fifth grade don't listen to, you know, solid gold oldies from the fifties and sixties. I did, um, so I did. I listened to. That's where <laughs> I didn't have a choice. <laughs> so that's where I found Billy Joel. As a matter of fact, was Billy my dad. Joel do up sucks my dick. He he had a record player mm-hmm. and he had a Billy Joel an Innocent Man LP, and I was like. Oh, my dad listens to this all the time. You know, I've heard a couple tracks off of it. Whatever, I'll you know, I'll give it a shot. So I threw it on, listened the whole thing, and uh, you know, I, I really enjoyed it. So I listened to, um, like I said, Billy Joel, Elton John, stuff like that that I got from my dad. Uh, my dad went through a country phase for a while, so I, I think still, we all do at some yeah, point. So I still enjoy like Alan Jackson, Garth Brooks, actual country, not actual, pop country. yeah. Actual country music, uh, you know, I'll still I still remember a lot of the words, which is kind of sad to say because I hate country now. Um, but if those come on, you know, I'll jam them out. But it's just like what you said earlier. You know, music music helps keep memories alive, yes. of, especially of your loved ones. You yes. know, sometimes, unfortunately, people that we don't want to remember, music kind of helps them stick around in our mind. But uh, yeah. you know that that 
I have the same thing with, with my grandpa, who was basically my dad when I was a kid. So, you know, he passed away, unfortunately, when I was a kid. And it's like, well, you know, I've got pictures and I've got music. That's about it, you know. So, um, and I know you and your, you, you had a, a strong relationship with your dad, so. Well, I was going to get into that a little bit. Um, so, anyway, while, uh, when I was 23, uh, which would have been in 01, um, my dad, well, okay, back up, back up to October of 2000, um, my dad retired from the post office because mm-hmm. after he got out of the, the service, he uh, got a job in Terre Haute at the post office. He was a mail sorter. Mm-hmm. Um, and he worked that job till he retired, uh, which would have been 2000. Um, so, you know, and it was kind of, it wasn't really spur of the moment that he retired, but he retired early. Mm-hmm. Um, so he retired when he was 55. Um, and I mean, he sold the house, he got rid of pretty much everything except for like clothes and vehicle golf clubs and stuff like that. And he packed up and moved down to Winter Haven, Florida. Um, he was ready to enjoy his retirement. So he was like, you know, fuck this shit. I'm out. Peace. I'm going to go play golf while I still can. So he lived on a golf course, which was, you know, retirement. It wasn't. It was a retirement community, not a retirement home. You right. know, it had old people in it, but they weren't like people that were waiting to die. Old, you know, like uh, Creasy Springs. It was retire. It was retirees. Yes, retirees, and you know, obnoxiously wealthy people. Yes, yes, thank you. Of which my dad was not. You know, my dad, Just very a hard worker, dude. blue collar guy in the service, worked his ass off. For everything that we had because my mom and my dad got a divorce when I was six. Mm-hmm. So um, my dad raised both me and my sister on his own, had a house. You know, we had one vehicle until my sister was old enough to drive and then we had two. Um, so anyway, he moved down to Florida and, you know, he would we would talk constantly, you know, uh, back then, you know. Cell phones weren't what they are today. Right. In 01, I mean, you know, they were a little bit advanced, but nothing, nothing, not even close to like what we had today. Remember when the Nextel push to talk phones yes. came out? Yes, I have one of those. They're badass. Yeah, they were. But uh, so he uh, called me up one day. He's like, hey, you want to come down for a week down here in Florida and play some golf? I was like, well, yeah. He's like, cool. I'll pay for your plane ticket. Um, just, you know, request time off from work. Like I said, I was still working at CD land. So I told my boss, Hey, yo, uh, second week of December, I'm going down Florida to visit my dad. Uh, we went down there. He picked me up from the airport. Uh, I had an early flight because I think it was like maybe, I want to say it was like 11 or 12 by the time I got down there and I was ready to play golf. I was like, let's go play golf. He's like, we just got here. Or you just got here. I was like, I don't give a shit. It's, you know, 15 degrees in Indiana. It's 70 degrees down here. Let's go play golf. Right. So, um, you know, he took me out or took me to his house. And like I said, he lived on a golf course. So we went out, played a couple holes and shit, you know, kicked back a few beers. Um, 
you know, I had a fucking great time. Uh, every day we went and played a new course, and he paid for everything. I mean, uh, played a place called uh, Diamondback down in um, Florida, which when you walk into the uh, the clubhouse, they have this big glass case that you can look into, and it's this huge fucking rattlesnake that they had taxidermied. Mm-hmm. And um, there's a sign above that says, if you hit your ball in the brush or in the woods, fucking leave it. Don't go, don't right. go in there because there's rattlesnakes everywhere on this course. Well, all right. So, you know, we played, had a great time, met these. Uh, we ended up playing with another couple that were from um, like Norway or Finland or some shit. And they were in Florida, you know, vacationing for the winter. Mm-hmm. So they ended up being super cool. And we played with them. Um, I played several other different courses. Plus, by the time we got done and went back to his house, we'd play more on the course that they were on that they lived on. Had a great time. Um, came uh, my weekended. I came home, um, and then a couple months go by, and then like towards the end of February, uh, I was living in an apartment with two other people, and they hear a knock on the door. So I'm like, "What the? F-? You know, what the fuck?" So I get up, I go open the door, and it's my dad. You know, he didn't like, call me, didn't email like, me. Like, hey, no, Dad, what the like, hell are you doing here? Why are you here in February? He's like, oh, I got bored. I figured I'd come up and visit you and your sister. You know, my sister lived still down in Brazil. but She lives in Carbon, but basically Brazil. Basically it's, Brazil. it's just right outside. Um, so I was like, right on. So um, he stayed with me for a couple of days, and we went and did some shit. I think we went bowling. Um, you know, went out for dinner both nights he was here, and... Uh, he went down and visited my sister, and uh, he stayed down there for, I think, three or four days or whatever, because um, at that time, my my sister had her oldest daughter, and I don't think um, Allie was born yet. Madison was, um, so he was visiting with his granddaughter, right. and um, uh, he was going to go back to the airport, so my sister was taking him back to Indy. And I guess on the way, he didn't feel good. He's like, you know, I don't, I don't feel right. I don't feel good. I don't think I should get on the plane. He's like, you know, we're already in Indy. Take me to Methodist. Right. So he took him to Methodist, and he ended up having a heart attack at the hospital. So there's like, hey, you know, we need to get him in for. Um, it was a quadruple bypass surgery. He's like, he's got massive blockage. You know, blah, blah, blah. This surgery is going to take, like, ungodly amounts of hours to right. do. And um, so my sister called me, told me what was going on. So, you know, drop of the hat. You know, I call in to work and said, hey, yo, I ain't coming in today. My dad's in the hospital. So I shoot down to Methodist and um, I meet up with my sister and my brother-in-law. And my grandma ends up coming up, my dad's mom. And... Uh, you know, like I said, they I can't remember what they said. It like 16 hours is what they had planned right. on the surgery taking. Um, so they come out and they, you know, they're giving us updates and all this. Uh, they come out like, I don't know, it's like nine hours later and they say, well, surgery went way better than expected, you know, um, blah, 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 this and that. And uh, give them, 
give him, you know, a couple hours and you can go see him. You know, he's still he's still sedated, so he's going to be asleep for probably at least till tomorrow. Right. So I was like, right on. So we go see him. You know, he looks like he just had fucking open heart surgery. You know, he looks a little beat up, but he's, you know, he's he's still here. So I was like, you know, yay, it's all good. Um, well, we went and stayed at a hotel, uh, came back the next morning and, uh, you know, went in and see him again. And uh, they was like, oh, well, we're going to bring him out of sedation at whatever time it was. And, you know, we he'd probably enjoy seeing you here. I was like, yeah, we'll be here. So time comes, we all go in the room and everything, and they're trying to bring him out of sedation, and he's not really responding. So, um, you know, they they start giving him some more medicine, to, and they start cutting off the, uh, what is it, the morphine. Mm-hmm. They start cutting off the morphine, and they're giving him medicine to wake up. And he's, he's just still not responding. And somebody had noticed that, like, some of his organs started shutting down. They said, oh, that's not good. So um, they went in, they ran a couple tests, and they were like, hey, uh, I got some bad news. Apparently, during surgery, he had another heart attack and a stroke, and they didn't know it. And his kidneys are starting to shut down. Um, so they said, you know, uh, like, I think his liver had already shut down. Something else was in the process of shutting down and his kidneys were shutting down. And they said pretty much the chances of him waking up more don't look that great. And even if he does, he's going to be, have to be on dialysis forever. Mm-hmm. Um, so they basically said, do you want us to pull the plug or do you want us to just keep doing what we're doing? So we're kind of sitting there in the room with me and my sister and my brother-in-law and there's my dad laying in bed. You know, he's got everything hooked up to him, you know, EKG, right. IV tubes everywhere, catheter, everything. And they even had to hook up something to help him keep breathing because I guess his lungs were not doing so good. And, you know, it was a long, drawn-out process, but we decided that we should just let him go Mm -hmm. instead of letting him suffer. And then, you know, what if if we just keep letting him do what they're doing and he doesn't wake up? Then he's just going to have to sit there. And suffer for how how long? Right. You know, what if he only lasts fifteen minutes? Well, what if it's you know another two days of this shit? You know, do we really want him to go through that? So, in all pain and everything, we decided to let him go, and it was one of the hardest things I've ever had to deal with in my life. And you know, there was there was times especially like directly after for probably two months. I mean, I was depressed. I was always sitting there wondering if I made the wrong choice well, or th- yeah, that's that that's the 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 tough thing um because of how our brains are made up. You know, you, I feel you obviously did the right thing. That's that's not you know, you don't need me to validate your decision or justify it, but 
we we struggle with do we want to let something suffer or someone or do we you know do we have to make that ultimate decision and then immediately after we make the decision did i make the wrong one did i did i make the wrong one or did i make the right one you know and then and then our our, our brains are not made um to handle decisions like that and it sucks oh yeah you I know mean, it, it sucks that we have to make those types of decisions anyway but you know especially especially when it's your dad yeah you know and that, you know i i have a good relationship with my dad now i didn't when i was growing up uh either one of my parents so now that i have a relationship with my dad i, I can't imagine how that could be well, you know the really bad part about it and what really made me think about it so much was while pretty much from middle school till i graduated uh, actually i think pretty much the whole time he worked at the post office he worked nights. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, when I was younger, I had babysitters and stuff like that. And then I got older and my sister would take care of me. And then my sister was, she's six years older than I am. So she, you know, she, her and her husband have been dating since high school. So when she got 18, 19 years old, she moved out and she moved was out of there. With, with him. So it was just me and my dad. Well, my dad's like, well, I ain't quitting my fucking job. He's like, you know, I trust you enough to, you know, take care of yourself. You know, back then, back then it was a whole, a whole you know, different world it was a whole now. different world back. And especially being from a small town like that, you know, our biggest, our biggest concern was drinking and driving. Right. You know, we didn't have heroin. and Well, we probably did. It just wasn't. It wasn't to the epidemic. proportion that it is now. So. I didn't, I didn't get to spend a lot of time with my dad, especially like in my teenage years. And when, after he had passed away, I thought, it's like, fuck man, you know, those days that, Hey son, you want to go out and, you know, grab something to eat? No dad, I'm hanging out with my girlfriend today. Mm -hmm. So there's that night that I never got to spend with him. And then how many other nights were like that? And, you know, did I not necessarily dishonor my father, but I could have been a so much better son had I had seen or have the knowledge to know that our time on this earth is limited. Right. And that you can't get that time back. Girlfriends, especially in high school, girlfriends come and go. And back then it was like, well, if I don't go hang out with, Mandy tonight, she's going to break up with me tomorrow. So, and my dad's always going to be here. Right. So I'm going to go get some pussy and not hang out with my dad. Mm-hmm. So peace. And it's, it sucks. And saying that it sucks is not even close. Right. It's an understatement. It's just, like I said, my dad was 55 and he passed away. And here I am closing in on 40. And what have I done? You know, I, I finally graduated Purdue. Um, I met my wife actually, uh, that same year that my dad passed away. It was later in the year. Like I said, my dad, Hey, my dad passed away like March, like March 2nd or March 3rd. I don't remember. Um, and I met my wife, my now wife in October of that year. And we started dating, um, she had a daughter at that time. She was four years old. Um, 
so we started dating and I mean we clicked like instantly within within a couple months I mean it was we were not necessarily like finishing each other's sentences but it was like that it right. was like you know I knew what she was thinking she knew what I was thinking we could basically like read each other's minds so I knew I was like okay let's get married uh, why fucking wait you know you're right for me I'm right for you we go well together let's do this shit so within a year we were married after dating and we we've been married since then so this year in October will be 17 years we've been together um over the last couple of years or so, I've gotten a lot more ballsy than I used to be. I used to just let her say whatever she wanted. I'd bottle it in and just walk away. But now I fight back and I love it because she she's used to saying whatever she wants. You and just, just stand there and, and take I it. I just stand there and take it. So now I fire back and it's great. We fight for about five minutes. I laugh and I turn around and walk away and everything goes back normal. But... So, I finished college, uh, graduated in 05. After I went back, I had to had to do this whole jumping through hoops bullshit. Right. I had to write this whole letter saying, like, why I got kicked out and why they should take me back in. And, you know, I wrote this big sob story. I will, about, not, I will <laughs> not spit paper at yeah, other girls in the class. Whatever. A thousand times on the chalkboard type bullshit. So... At this time, now I'm paying for it and goes back to our earlier conversation about being invested in something. I never missed class. I got on the dean's list. I finished out the rest of my school on the dean's list, um, graduated in 05. And back in 05, right when I graduated, was the same year that all the airlines went bankrupt. Mm -hmm. So here I am with all that a $45,000 degree from Purdue and basically it's like a blanket a blanket bachelor's degree in technology mm -hmm. but I had my specialty in aviation maintenance and the highest paying job I could find through like scouring everything was in Texas for 15 bucks an hour with a $45,000 degree and fuck you no I'm not uprooting my family now that I have one, to move to fucking Texas for $30,000 a year. Right. You kiss my ass. So I got pissed off for a long time about how I wasted all this fucking money and all this time and all this effort to go into school and getting this shit. So I graduate Purdue and I work for Manpower for 10 bucks an hour. And so... I go through this whole depression thing again about how I'm fucking worthless and yep. so you know fast forward a little bit things happen for a reason so while I'm working for Manpower they hook me up with this job um, at MailCode MailCode is part of Pitney Bowes which is a very large eastern coast manufacturer and what they do is mail sorting equipment which was kind of ironic right. not really ironic but it was kind of what's the word i'm looking for uh 
I was going to say ironic, but I know okay. that's not well, the so word you're looking for. So let's go with ironic for a lack of a better term. So my dad used to be a mail sorter. Mm-hmm. So I'm working at mail code that makes machines that do sorting mail. It's a pretty good job. I mean, it's 10 bucks an hour. It's labor. It sucks. It's manufacturing. People there are cool shit, so it makes a huge difference. When you work somewhere where people are cool yep. and you get along with everybody, it makes it at least bearable. So um, while I'm working at Mail Code, uh, you know, I start moving up already. I mean, I'm a temporary employee, and I'm I'm starting to pass people that work there that are on their payroll. So they put me in this position of actually assembling the whole mail sorting machine. Like they come in parts and they're like four foot long. And depending on how the line is, they just stack four foot long, like a giant ass fucking table. Mm -hmm. Well, I get to know, um, we had some local manufacturers, uh, which I thought was actually kind of cool. You know, they didn't get a hold of China and say, Hey, we need a bunch of these parts. They would contact local machine shops and have parts made for them. So they, you know, at least they put money back into the community community and what hire family owned or, you know, non, um, non franchised people to make parts for their machines. So I get, I start talking to this one guy, he makes deliveries like uh, three times a week. turns out he's the owner of a machine shop up in Goodland. And I was like, so what do you mean machine shop? He's like, oh, do you know where the lathe is? I said, yeah. He's like, do you know what a mill is? I said, yeah, kind of. So he starts explaining to me. I was like, oh, oh, okay. I know exactly what you're talking about. I always thought that was cool. Um, You know, hey, are you looking for anybody? So he's like, well, as a matter of fact, we are. You know, can you come up for an interview? I was like, sure. You know, name your name, time, and place. I'll come up. Um, so I go up there and I do an interview and I knock it out of the park and he offers me a job. And so I get on, uh, I quit the temporary employment bullshit and I go to work. Um, and I do, you know, I'm working with CNC mills and I was a mill guy. I wasn't a lathe guy, which they, you know, they kind of had that segregated, not really segregated, but. You had mill guys, uh, yeah, well, basically, you had guys that only ran mills, and you had guys that only ran lathe, and so I move up in there pretty quick. Like, I was there six months, and they offered me a uh, supervisor position on night shift. It was second and a half shift. It was uh, 4 p.m. to 2.30 a.m. So I work there. Um, I go to nights, and I pretty much stay there for the extent of my career at that place. Um, at the whole time, my kids are growing up, you know, so I'm asleep during the day when it's time to give them a bath and put them to bed. You're at work. Yes. So they get up, they get ready for school. I'm asleep. They get home from school. I'm already on my way to work. Mm -hmm. Um, I get home, they're asleep. I go to sleep and then rinse and repeat for five years. I couldn't do it anymore. I said, like, dude, I got to Can you put me on days? No, we just don't have any opening on days. All right, fine, whatever. So um, my wife ends up running into an old high school friend um, 
and they was like, hey, you know, you want to get together and go bowling? We're going to do uh, scotch doubles at Market Square. I was like, well, yeah, it's bowling. You know I'm in. Let's do this shit. My wife, she hates bowling. She loathes it. Hates it with passion. Anytime I bring up bowling, it's 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 like <sighs> abortion for normal people is how bowling is in my house. Anytime Damn. I mention it, it's like I have to fight and defend my my Your passion right to for bowl. playing with balls. Yeah, yeah. So large, we heavy go, balls. Um, and I meet uh, this girl's boyfriend, who is a union electrician here in Lafayette. Um. And he's got a brother who's a little bit older who worked for Hostess at the time. So I, you know, I was talking with both of them, whatever. And uh, the brother had said, "Hey, uh, I heard you're looking for a daytime job, a new job." I said, "Yeah." He's like, "Well, we need somebody like right now." I was like, "Okay, well, what do you do?" He's like, "Well, I work at Hostess. I'm a route driver." I was like, "Do they still do that shit?" He's like, "Yeah, man." I can make pretty good money too. You should come check it out. So I go in, I do an interview thing, and um, they offer me a job. And so I went and told a 3D machine that I was taking another job, and then they offered me days. And I was like, no, it's too late for that shit. I was mm-hmm. like, you made me have to do all this just you bur- to get you days. You burnt the bridge. I'm out. So I quit. I work at Hostess. Um, that was pretty fun. Uh, the hours kind of sucked. It was a weird, weird week structure where we worked Monday, Tuesday. We were off Wednesday. We worked Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and we were off Sunday. And that was every week. Mm-hmm. I mean, 365 days a year, every week like that, except, well, maybe not 365 because I think we got like Christmas and New Year's off, maybe Thanksgiving. That's about it. Um so that was something new and i always like new things because i like to learn shit right um so i do that uh this whole time there's like this underground kind of brewing turmoil between the teamsters which is a union it's a it's a union outfit but not like electricians and pipe fitters it's and weird they, how many different organizations the teamsters kind yes of the teamsters they they have their fingers in lots of things like uh truck drivers manufacturing uh, manufacturing um you know a lot of like drop ship delivered uh, like, bakery goods yep exactly so <laughs> that would be hostess yeah it is it is i i've wondered that for years why or how they're able to encompass so many different fields you know normally somebody would have put a flag or a wall up to say like no you can't be here because we we want these people here right but the teamsters just and i hate to say weasel or or kind of worm their way into everything but they're they're kind of involved in anything and everywhere you know in in some fashion or another yeah so anyway uh hostess apparently owed the Teamsters pension, like some ungodly hundreds of millions of dollars in, you know, back pay that they hadn't been paying into this pension. Mm-hmm. And, of course, oh, holy shit. So I'm starting to see the writing on the wall. We start to kind of go to these meetings like they're calling emergency meetings with Teamster uh, members and they're talking about strike. We want to strike. You know, they we owe want us, our money. We want our fucking money. 
Um, and if, you know, if they're not going to negotiate with us and give us our fucking money, we're going to strike and we're going to shut them down. And they even said, if we strike, Hostess will go bankrupt. I was like, wait, 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 wait. Back up. Back up, back up, back up. I want to get paid. So you, I I understand that they owe us a shit ton of money, but you are willing to strike, make this company go bankrupt, and then none of us have jobs. Yep. And not get your money. And not get your money. Yeah. Why? You know, the the whole, uh, but why? (laughs) But why? (laughs) But why? So I was like, I got to get the fuck out of here. You know, I'm new. I don't have hardly any fucking money vested in anything. Right. So I go back and I talk to uh, my wife's friend from high school, boyfriend, who I said it was he's an electrician here in Lafayette. It's like, hey, dude, I got to get the fuck out of here. Something bad's going to happen. And I don't want to get caught up in it. Blah, blah, blah. He's like, well, hey. Good timing. You know, they're taking applications right now for the electric electrical apprenticeship. So I was like, so what's that all about? So, you know, he sits me down. We talk about it. He takes me on a couple side jobs, and I had a blast. I mean, you know, yeah, it was manual labor, but, I mean, it wasn't like. You weren't digging a hole. I wasn't digging a fucking hole. I mean, you know, it was slinging Romex, well, side jobs, slinging Romex, you know, hooking up receptacles, light switches, hanging lights ceiling fans what the hell you know whatever so i had a blast and he's like so what do you think about that i was like well let's do this shit so he he writes me a letter of recommendation he points me in the right path so i go in talk to our director was he a journeyman at the time he was a journeyman he's been a journeyman for almost 15 years now um or not a journey he's been in for 15 years um so he's been a journeyman for 10, 10 10 plus um so I go in, I do the whole, you know, application, dog and pony show, dog and pony show um, do the testing, you know, get my transcripts and everything, and then come back to Purdue my degree. Now I found out that it wasn't really a waste of time and money because it carried so much weight in my selection process saying that, hey, okay, so this guy is at least intelligent enough to go to Purdue and graduate. Um, he was on the Dean's list. So we know, you know, at least, at least he can show up and do something. So, um, they call me in, I do my interviews, uh, which was very, I was not prepared for the interview, um, because it wasn't like a one-on-one interview. It was seven people plus me in a room and I was sitting at the head of the table, and these all these guys and girls were asking me questions. You know, not not about electrical stuff, just life, kind of like we are now. They were just like, okay, so tell me a little bit about yourself. And the, okay, have you had any, you know, past experiences with this? Or tell me about a time at one of your jobs where this happened and how you responded and blah, blah, blah. So... It was about 20 minutes, 30 minutes interview. And I was I was sweating bullets, man. Because right. I was like, oh, fuck. What if I say the wrong thing? What if, what if uh, you know, I'm not qualified to do this? I was like, how qualified do you have to be to be a fucking electrician? Most of them, 
at least have one DUI and have been divorced once. <laughs> and that's a, that's an inside joke. You're not a real electrician unless you have a DUI and you've been divorced at least once. Oh, yeah. So I guess that's I'm not a, right a real there. electrician yet because I have had neither. So I go, I do my thing. I talk to the director again. I said, hey, you know, I just want to say thanks for the opportunity to come in and do this. I guess, you know, what do I do now? And she's like, well, if they want you, they'll call you or we'll call you. I said, cool. So how long is that going to take? It's like, well, we still got two days worth of interviews to do. Mm-hmm. I said, cool. Well, look forward to hearing from you. I leave and I go back to um, the hostess and, uh, you know, I keep doing my job there. Three days later, they called me and said, hey, you still interested? I said, well, yeah. It's like, Cool. Um, you need to come in and see me at your earliest convenience, blah, blah, blah. We have some things to talk about. I said, cool. So went in, talked to him. They said, okay, uh, your start date uh, is going to be, you know, do you need two weeks to give in to your job? I said, yeah, that would probably be, you know, the, the right thing to it do. It is the right thing to do. So um, I said, okay, well, two weeks from today, you will report to Long Electric. It to start work. So I said, okay, cool. So I went in, um, gave my two weeks, did my two weeks, uh, went and started work for Long Electric. Um, and I mean, that was six years ago. And it has went by so fast. Mm-hmm. I went to, you know, we went to school on a regular college school schedule because the apprenticeship is... There's a lot of hands-on on job site training, but there's stuff in the books in the school that you're not going to learn. You're still you're working towards them. a college degree. Right. And it's it's just an associate's degree, but it's a specialized associate's degree where it's just for electricians. Right. So you're going to get a lot of stuff, you know, pe- normal people, not normal people. I don't, I don't mean that in a derogatory normal, normal way. Normal college students. No, normal college students don't know anything about transformers or inductance or capacitive reactance or inductive reactance or resistance or impedance and you know stuff like that that we had to break down do a bunch of math and a lot of it was kind of bullshit but you know at least it gives you an idea so you can sit and think about things in a constructive manner when something especially troubleshooting is huge Especially on side jobs, people call you up and say, hey, I got a, a three-way switch that isn't working correctly. Can you come look at it? Well, you have to have the skill set to know, okay, what does a three-way switch do? You know, where does the power come in? You know, how is it wired up? Why wouldn't it be working? What is it doing? Um, so you just you go through this mental checkoff list or write it down. Well, troubleshoot, troubleshooting skills are something that a lot of people don't have, whether they're educated or not. Being able to troubleshoot is is kind of something you you just have to have. You it have, can be learned. It, well, kind of having the 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 skills necessary to troubleshoot particular things can be learned, but having the ability to to kind of critical thinking well it's not just critical thinking but imagine imagine like a parts diagram of a car right you look at that on a piece of paper 
or just a picture of a car on a piece of paper, having the ability to take that car, manifest it in your brain, and blow a certain section of that car apart into all of its individual parts when you have an issue, that's that's something that you, you kind of have to be born with. I, I, would I agree think with that because you know at my previous job, uh, it was entirely troubleshooting. I was troubleshooting shit all day long, every day, and I worked a shit ton. And if 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 I had to be taught how to troubleshoot, then I I wouldn't have been able to do it. You know what I mean? So obviously it had to be catered towards what I was doing, but if I didn't have at least the groundwork for those skills to begin with, I wouldn't have been able to do that job. So, but, uh, yeah, so the electrician thing has really kind of changed your life for the better, right? Yeah. You're, you're involved in not just the company, but the organization as a whole. The IBW, I, um, I, Really, I started, obviously, went to the union meetings and stuff like that, which we have every month. Um, started to meet a lot of cool people. Uh, I started getting involved with the Athletic Association because, like I said, you know, I'm a pretty big bowler and golfer. I heard and they give out free beer. At the Athletic Association meeting, that is a correct statement. So, why, why would someone not want to get free beer? You know... I don't know. There's a podcast on this network that talks about beer a lot. And I'm not talking about Blaine and I on podcast for you. I'm talking about brews with dudes. Shout out to you, Nick Maxson and company. You do a hell of a job slinging those juicy facts at us about delicious beer. <laughs> Thanks for the plug on my uh, story. But, yeah. hey, uh, so, yeah, uh, got involved with the Athletic Association. Uh, I just recently got involved on the executive board. Um, which handles handles urgent matters that need attention in between union meetings, or th- we also play a part in people who uh, might have a grievance or anything like that with a another person or a contractor or. So if there's um, an issue and I don't want to rally the troops, so to speak, to get get everybody in for a meeting. Right. You're that guy. That, I am that guy, which there's five of us on the e-board. Um, so I'm pretty involved with that. And like I said, I go to union meetings all the time, you know. And the thing about, uh, I'll backtrack just a little bit with the Teamsters. The Teamsters was my first union experience, and it left a very sour taste in my mouth. I hated it. Well, I have a very similar experience. I have I have not yet been a part of a union Um but I'll, I'll, I'll kind of chronicle mine after you, you okay. finish yours. So, okay, now flash, fast forward to where present day, the IBEW, which is, stands for the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, um, is completely different than the Teamsters. I mean, there are a lot of good people and what we call good brothers and sisters. Um, we're always out to lift each other up and... And, you know, take care of each other and teach each other. And um, the IBW, since it is international, it's coast to coast. All 50 states and Canada is included in the IBW. So now with my journeyman ticket that I have that I just got last May, I can go anywhere in the 50 states and Canada and work. If we slow down here and there's no work, 
I get laid off or whatever, I can travel to other um, locals, sign their book too, um, and bid on jobs, and I can go out to work anywhere. Um, and there's a lot of brothers and sisters that love to travel, and when they are working in their home local, they'll they'll house traveling brothers, mm-hmm. you know, give them some place to stay for two or three days while they find something, or, you know, a group of people group of brothers and sisters might go in and get an apartment together on like long-term jobs like the ethanol plant that's going in um oh shit down in indy muncie something somewhere there's a huge ethanol plant going in and we're talking like a two-year job so people that get hired on those and they're from out of state or whatever they might get an apartment for two years and you know split that cost and you know People of like mind that hang out together always get along better than, say, just some rando ass roommate that you might get in college. Right. Because it's like, hey, you know, we have a lot to talk about now because we're we're all electricians here. We can sit, talk shop. You know, maybe maybe some people don't like to do that. But, hey, let's go get a beer. Let's go get something to eat. You know, it's just. I. I really love what I do now more than anything I've ever done in my life. I love working with my hands. This gives me an opportunity to do that. Um, the My current work situation, I do a lot of service work for um, the IU Arnett clinics here in Lafayette. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have a van. I have, you know, tools and parts and stuff on my van. It's the van down by the river. The van down by the river, which would be the Wabash River. And, you know, I sell it to people for crack money. There you go. So Eating government cheese in a van (laughs) down by the river. Classic. Um, R.I.P., Chris. R.I.P. I go to different, uh, you know, medical facilities here in Lafayette and... You know, one day I might be doing something. The next day I'll be doing something else at a completely different Mm -hmm. place. And I love that. It's something different every day. And I just... I just have a passion for it. I love the people that I work with. Everybody's cool. A lot of people have the same sense of humor that I do. Um, You know, we quote movie lines all the time we'll quote music lyrics with some people that are into music um and anybody that is transitioning between jobs i always try and talk them in at least give them the information hey look this is what i do this is how i got started if you're interested let me know i can point you in the right direction i think you'd be good at it just like i did with you um and andy and i both did with you the Spoiler alert would, for yes. anybody that works at Subaru. Spoiler alert. Uh, I might be leaving. Yeah. So, fuck you guys. Yeah, fuck you guys. And the Subaru that you drove in. And, um, but it, it, part of part of what's made me interested in the trade, you know, when I, when I was with my, or before I started working with my previous employer, I'll backtrack a little bit with my, my opinion on unions. I worked for a concrete company. So anytime you see a concrete mixer driving around the U.S., whether it's front discharge or rear discharge, it depends on what portion of the country it's in because uh, many of the there, – there's a big kind of division between 
the concrete industry uh, of union versus non-union. Uh, in most of the states out east, there are laws in place that will not allow front discharge mixers in place. So for people that don't know what a concrete mixer is, it's the the, tr- the goofy looking truck that's got the big drum that's spinning on it all the time. Yeah, that's where our roads and shit come from. But uh, so out east, those trucks require the driver to deliver the concrete in the truck, get out of his truck walk around behind his truck and pour the concrete from outside the vehicle so it takes more time it takes more i don't want to say more skill but it takes a different set of skills to be able to do that uh, from the ground than it does from inside the truck with a joystick so all of the unions that are involved with the concrete companies out east have petitioned and lobbied and pushed enough that they don't want jobs taken away from people and they are, and a lot of them out east run two truck teams where one guy will drive the truck, the other guy will pour the concrete from the from the machine itself. So here, there's a, a major concrete company. I'm not gonna name drop anybody, but when I was working uh, right out of high school for for that for the non-union company, you know, all they did was run down the union, and <clears throat> you know, there there's ten guys on a job. Ten of them are standing with a shovel in their hand, and or nine of them are standing with a shovel in their hand, and the tenth guy's got a shovel and he's actually digging. You know, there's the the kind of stigma where not everybody is 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 pulling their weight, but they're all getting paid the same. You know, so when I was impressionable, just like we, you know, and, and easily manipulated, what we were talking about when moldable, when, moldable. That's a good way to put it. You know, that's all I heard every day. You know, don't go work for them. Don't join that union. You know, blah, 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 going on and on and on. And and then I, Andy, our mutual friend, my second or actually, yeah, my longest tenured friend that I have currently. They don't last long. But uh, he's like, hey, you know, uh, I dropped out of Purdue. And I was like, hey, I, I dropped out of college, too. And this is what I'm doing now. And he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to do this electrician thing. And I'm like, what? I can't even see you getting off the couch, let alone doing manual labor. I mean, I shit talk the hell out of him. And I still work for the concrete company, which is which was very uh, labor intensive. And I earned all the, the small amounts of money that I made. But it's like, dude, I can't see you doing this. You're really good at math, but I don't I don't see you actually doing anything difficult. He's like, yeah, I'm going to go give it a shot. You should apply. And I was like, eh. okay, so I apply. And then I go through the temporary agency here in town to get a job at Subaru. And I go through that whole shebang. And then I also put a application in for the pipe fitters union. Mm-hmm. I had a recommendation from a friend of my family to do that, and I also applied at the my my last job, a major manufacturer here where I live in Lafayette, and uh, Tate and Lowell. God damn you! But I, I went in for I went in for an interview and and. Uh, I walked out of that and I was like, man, I fucking bombed that thing. You know, this is one of the highest paying jobs in Lafayette and I just fucked this up. And I was waiting for a phone call. And then 
the next day or that night they they offered me a job and i told them i would let them know the next day the next day subaru or the temporary agency called and said hey here's your start date the next day or that same day the apprenticeship for the electricians union said hey we need you to come in and do something else i think i think it was the i think i was at the interview stage so I basically had like I was at the ultimate fork in the road, manufacturer, manufacturer, union. All three of them are respectable careers, and I chose whichever one was paying me the most amount of money at the time. And uh, Tate and Lyle, yeah, fuck off. <laughs> I could I could have been a journeyman by now. Yeah, I I could have been making more money than I did at at that job. Could have had a lot better life. Luckily, uh, I'm glad that my my life has kind of panned out the way it is because now I'm doing podcasts. Yeah. And uh, I got to meet some really cool people and experience some really cool stuff, and I look forward to keep doing it. But uh, so we're, we're getting towards the tail end of the episode for today, but we'll, we'll go through a couple more things. So way back to the beginning of tangents, I talked to you a little bit about music, and then I interrupted you, and then you interrupted yourself. It's a possibility. Yeah, it's a strong possibility. You're old and feeble. I'm, I'm belligerent, feeble-minded, feeble-minded, decrepit old bastard. Yeah. But so you, you got into music in, in in college. Yes. What instruments can you play? Um, I actually started playing uh, acoustic guitar. Um, with my next door neighbor, um, he put a lot more effort into it than I did. You were um, just kind of going through the motions. Uh, yeah, I played a little bit here and there, you know, picked up some riffs, thought it was cool, blah, blah, blah. I was like, eh, I'm good with it. Mm-hmm. Um, he, that's all he did. I mean, he sat there and self-taught himself how to play guitar and he would play like Metallica songs on acoustic guitar and Hell it yeah. sounded badass i'm musically retarded i mean i i love music i love musical theory i like to dissect music but i cannot play an instrument i mean i couldn't fucking play hot cross buns on the recorder when i was in elementary school nice. so i still can uh oh i'm I, that was an exaggeration to get my <laughs> point across everybody can fucking play hot cross buns i but, hope so but god damn it man i i, I mean I, I can play the piano a little bit that's about the only instrument that i've really had the the, I, I want to say attention span to sit down and, and half-ass learn. I tried to teach myself to play guitar. Um, I've got sausage fingers. So Same. really short, really fat fingers. And jamming out on the guitar is not really conducive to what I've got to work yeah. with. you know. Which actually is a nice lead into where I ended up at was bass guitar. Okay. Four strings. I didn't know you could play bass. Way easier. I wouldn't say way easier, but four strings is a lot easier to play for people like you and me with right. fucking T-Rex arms and sausage fingers. So, um... Cheese wheel dicks. Yeah, yeah, that too. It's a podcast I'm involved in. There's got to be dicks. Uh, so while I was working at CD Land, uh, one of the guys there had, obviously, played guitar mm-hmm. really good. Um... He talked me into learning how to play bass. So, and then the transition from guitar to bass is pretty straightforward. Um, there's well, not a once, lot of. Once you learn to read music, 
which I still don't know how to do. I but, can read tabs. Right. But once you learn how to look at paper and then make the instrument, make the sound that's on the paper. Yes. I would imagine it's not that difficult. I mean, because he, as as uh, inept at I, as I am at music, I, I could read tabs. Yeah. You know. So, I mean, tabs is like music for dummies. Right. Kind of basically is exactly what it is. So... I picked up, bought a bass guitar, bought a uh, amplifier, and we actually started a band. What was um, this band's name? Okay, so uh, do you know who um, Jethro Tull is? Uh, yeah. Okay. Standing so, on one leg, fucking playing the yes yo, flute. So Jethro Tull, do you know... Um, Aqualung? Of course. Yeah, so do you know how they got their name? No. So the guys in Jethro Tull would go and do shows and every show they would change the name of the band Mm -hmm. so you know basically their thought was well if we play really shitty tonight then they won't remember then they won't remember our our name if we change it they're not going to remember what we look like so we'll just change our name so they'll be like hey i remember you know screaming black midgets (laughs) or what uh Dick's Bukake Palooza. Oh yeah, we got um, an, we got another trivia night coming up. By the way, uh, I want you was, there. That was pretty fun. But so they changed their name until they actually uh, they got a call back from one of their venues that they had played at before. And said, "Hey, you know, you guys really kicked ass in here, and we would like to have you back." And their band name at that time was Jethro Tull. Boom, Jethro so Tull. So stuck. we did kind of the same thing. When we first started playing, we're, we were the Eclectic Toes. Toes or Toes? Toes. T-O-E-S. All right. And then we were Tahashi Station. Okay. Star Wars. Right. So, um... Tashi Station. Sorry. You know what I meant. Fuck off, Travis. Fuck you. Um... And then I think we were one more. I don't even remember what that was. It just quickly died after It quickly that. died out because our lead singer had, was a very alcoholic person. Mm-hmm. And we actually got asked to never come back to one of the places. Good God. Because he was going behind the bar and getting his own beers. Yeah, don't do that. And for God's sakes, don't fucking do that, man. Just ask for a beer. Pay for it. Don't be a douche. Give me my beer, woman. And, um, but I had a good time. And I was not, yeah, I guess I was kind of shy. I was, I've always been kind of a shy person. Um, like that time I smashed your finger in a tailgate. Yeah. I, I, we definitely need to bring that up. We'll get there. But, um, Getting up in front of a bunch of people you don't know to play music uh, was very tough for me. But once we played the first song, I loved it. Right. I mean, I was really getting into it. Um, we sounded awesome. I thought we sounded awesome. I mean, we played cover songs. We, you know, we didn't write our original shit. We played uh, a couple songs from Danzig, Rage Against the Machine, yeah. Alice in Chains, Stone Temple Pilots. Playing all that uh, good shit. Ozzy Osbourne, you know, Black Sabbath, yeah, shit like that. We played. Um, it was a good time. Um, so, do, do you still do you still dabble? 
Uh, I have an acoustic guitar at home, and I probably haven't touched it in about 10 years. So. Throw some new strings on that thing and let her eat. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I just, I really enjoy listening to music. Maybe I'll bring it and use it as my, uh, my mace for my paladin. Oh, hell yeah. It'd be like. This is my new war club. My good, gonna... my good friend Travis here and I like to to dabble in a little bit of uh, Dungeons and Dragons. Oh yeah, I have a. Uh, what level are we right now? Four? Uh, Did we just hit four or three? We just hit three. We just hit three. So... Travis is playing a giant sentient turtle. Yes. Named Gideon Mantleback. Gideon the Jaw Mantleback, a turtle. He's a big fucking intimidating dude. He's a like seven hundred pound fucking turtle. Yep. So. If that puts you got your our lives in perspective for you guys, in which we are playing tomorrow, yeah, and fuck I'm yeah, totally we look forward to it. Yeah, it's, it's going to be good times. Three weeks. Yeah, it kind of kind of blue balls on that shit. But, yeah. Um, I remember when I was in high school, I talked so much shit about the people that played D and D. Yeah, and it's like for anybody that's listening, I'm not going to say that you're not a little bit justified in saying, "Well, God, that's that's stupid." You're just a bunch of people in your mom's basement fucking pretending to fight dragons and shit. I will tell you this from somebody that has struggled with depression and somebody that has struggled with anxiety. Travis and I have both been there. Yes. Um, we've had some some very high and some very low points in our life. And if you have any semblance of an imagination whatsoever and you can sit down with a group of your closest friends or even people that might someday become your friends and you can you can create all of this shit in your mind and on paper it, it's a very relaxing experience Liberating. for me it's well yeah you get to you get to live vicariously through something that's imaginary you know that's something that is toxic to a lot of people living vicariously through their children, living vicariously through their parents or their siblings. You know, that's not something that's good in most cases. Um, but we get to sit down and we get to spend time with each other. And, you know, we're all adults now. We all have families. So we have at least had sex enough times to have kids. Yeah, we, so have, we have all procreated. That, sti- that stigma of virgin D&D players is right out the window. Yep, Because I've had sex at least twice because I have two girls at yep, home. I've got one girl, so I've procreated. Once. Once. But, uh, yeah, it, it's just, it's really, it's a really, like, kind of transcending experience because you get to step out of uh, your own social like your social norms you get to be you get to act out something that you might have wanted to do in real life you know not just the freaky weird shit that we talk about but you know you you get to you get to role play as somebody that you might aspire to be and like i said it's it's a really relaxing peaceful experience and uh it gives it gives us an excuse to hang out. Not that we need one, but, you know, we're all adults. We all have busy lives and families and demanding jobs. And it goes all the way back to the beginning, that cheesy Facebook quote that I said, we're not just put on this earth to pay bills and die. You got to do what makes you happy and you got to have fun. So. And you got to be around good people. That's right. You got to surround yourself with good people because you yourself cannot be a good person unless you're surrounded by good people. 
or you surround yourself by good people. Yes. Um, so yeah, don't don't judge people because they like to pretend to do other shit. I mean, at least we're not furries. At least we're not juggalos. I mean, we're not down with the clown. I mean, we're not painting our faces like clowns and then dressing up as animals and fucking each other. I mean, we're not doing weird shit like that. That's fucking weird. Yet. Yet. Yeah. I mean, that is that is the key. But uh, one, a couple more things before we wrap up. You asked me something a second ago. Oh, okay. So I, I mentioned all the way back at the beginning of this episode that Travis is one of my closest friends, but I have not known him for a very long amount of time so my best friend uh andy dietrich shout out to you i don't know if you're gonna listen to this or not but i hope you do because it's an awesome show on the journey into comics network um him and i play video games pretty regularly and that that's that's the easiest way for him and i to stay in contact because like i said we're both busy adults and uh He's like, hey, there's this guy that was in my apprenticeship class, and he's into a lot of the same shit that we are. Do you mind if I invite him in here? And, you know, I was kind of like the soup Nazi type person. I'm like, no soup for you. I don't want the, I don't. Uh, this is us. You know, I don't want to I don't want anybody to take you away from me. And uh, he's like, yeah, he's a really cool dude. I'm going to invite him in here. So before I even had a chance to answer, he just it just just whips Travis right in the mix. And he's like, hey, I'm Travis. And I'm like, God, this guy sounds like a fucking douchebag. Hey, I'm Tyler. You know, that's funny because I thought the same thing when you said right. well, like, hey. I, I am a douchebag. So but anyway, so T Mac. So we, we, we play we start playing video games together and, and we're starting to realize how many things we have in common. And then it's like. Tyler, you need to get Rocket League. And I'm like, I don't want to fucking get Rocket League. I don't want to pay for that shit. I love soccer, don't get me wrong. I don't, at the time, I didn't love car soccer. Now I fucking love it. But, uh, yeah, get get Rocket League. It's fun. No, I don't want to spend any money. Get it. Did you Did you tell me you would pay for it? Yes. You told, I even offered to buy it for he you. He even offered to buy it for me, and I told him to fuck off. I wasn't, I wasn't getting fucking sucked down the rabbit hole of Rocket League, and uh, so I eventually buy it. Or actually, finally, after a three-year journey, my wife and I bought our first house, um, and uh, I said, "Hey, I need people to help me move. If you help me move, I'll buy Rocket League." And he's like, "No shit." I said, I'm, it's downloading right now if you fucking come help me move tomorrow. Sure, I'll be there. So I, I knew that I had somebody dependable, or at least easily manipulated, because yeah. I just fucking spent like $15 on a stupid video game to convince somebody to come help me move. So he shows up. First time I met Travis in person. Hey, dude, you know, I'm T-Mac. Nice to finally meet you, yada, yada. We're going along. We're moving shit. First load, mind you. First load, okay. Was it my truck or your truck? It was your truck. Okay, so I had the tailgate down on my pickup. He's back there dicking around. I go back there, to, and I fucking slammed that tailgate with, like, Odin's strength. Yeah. I mean... A hidden, <laughs> hidden midget strength. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. It would have severed a lesser man's finger, uh, mind you, so... Yeah. Unbeknownst to me, his finger was in there, and I obliterated it. He he looked me dead in the eye and didn't say a word. 
and he but he's like kind of holding his finger i said you all right yeah oh fuck i just smashed your finger in there yep so the rest of the day was oh my finger hurts so bad and you know still this is a year later and he's still fucking laying it on thick that his finger still hurts and he has night terrors and PTSD from me slamming his finger in a tailgate. But a beautiful friendship has blossomed from me smashing the fuck yeah. out of his finger in my tailgate. Your uh, your aunt was like, you want a Band-Aid? I said, fuck no, I don't want a Band-Aid. <laughs> well, you're going to get blood on stuff. I don't care. He deserves it. He smashed the fuck out of my finger. Don't bleed on the furniture. <laughs> yeah. It's like, uh... Yeah, let me. I should probably put something on this. I ain't got time to bleed. Yeah. I'll bleed later. <laughs> Use my uh, telekinetic powers and pull the blood back into put, my. Force the blood back yeah. into your skin. Yeah. Good God. I put it in my penis. Yeah. Oh, God. All the time? All the time. All the Just time. Just that whole day. All right. So, Travis, we're at an hour and a half. Wait. Okay. So, before we end. Do you remember what happened um, after we, I think we were taking a break or something like that, and your uh, your father-in-law walked in on us. Do you remember what was going on? Oh, yeah. So we're at my my rental house, my previous residence, and uh, we had moved like six or seven loads at that point, and I'm like, all right, we need to fucking take a break. I hate moving. I would rather, like, get my dick smashed in a car door. Shout out to you, car door dick smash. Or finger smashed in a tailgate. Or finger smashed in a tailgate. But um, then move. I fucking hate it. I hate packing. I hate unpacking. I hate moving the shit. You know, I'm strong. I pick things up and put them down. But I I don't want to do it regularly because I'm kind of lazy. But. So we're, we're standing at the island having a few beers, and it's myself, Travis, my two best friends in the world, Clint and Andy, it, kicking back a few Takatis, and we start playing, uh, what the fuck is that song even called? Uh, Kiss from a Rose? Kiss from a Rose by Seal. And like loud. Loud. We're like ja- very We're loud. fucking jamming it in this empty-ass house. And my father-in-law walks in and sees all of us singing and, like, embracing and fucking jamming out Kiss from a Rose. And no shit, he dead stopped and kind of did the whole panoramic view of the room. He's like, I think I'll come back later. <laughs> and he turned around and walked back outside. And then he, he turned around and walked back in. He's got this huge smile on his face. He's like, what the fuck, guys? We're, I think Clint had uh, old Frank the Tank in his arms. He oh, was yeah. like whole, like cradle him like he a was, baby. He was dancing with my wife's pug. Yeah. Fuck and we were all belting out seal. And I mean, it was a very erotic, Takate fueled moment. Well, it was right it was right after I posed the question. You know, Clint started playing Kiss from a Rose. I made him pause it and I said, "Before we go on with this, you guys just want to want to want to think about real quick like what Heidi Klum's hoo-ha looks like after Seal fucking annihilated that thing for like a decade." He probably looks like his face does. I mean, it just it imagine like Heidi Klum is sacred. Like when we when I was a kid anyway, she was like top of the line. 
Oh, yeah. Like, that was a supercar of women. And just imagine what what kind of punishment that thing went through. Like a half-pound Arby's roast beef sandwich? That had been beat to fuck by a, by a summer sausage? Yeah. It got wet and... <laughs> <laughs> left outside and <laughs> left outside and this the this, went, this, this turned from voice of survival to podcastrophe really really quick i'm sorry i think that's a sign that we, we need to wrap it up okay any any closing thoughts travis i really appreciate you being here i know i didn't say a whole lot but like i said this this show is about about you and your journey through life no i i don't really have any uh closing statements i just i really appreciate you inviting me i've I've had a really good time i thought this was going to be something a little bit different but i'm enjoying it you've done a really good job talking into the mic so Um, i appreciate that okay no problem i'm really good at following instructions yeah you are so and then you know this right so uh no i just I don't know what else to say, man. I mean, there's there's <laughs> that, lots of... That's all I have to say about that. <laughs> there's lots of random thoughts in my mind. And, I mean, we could probably do this for 24 hours straight. And I could We have to forever. eat at some point. But, yeah, I got shit to do tomorrow, too. And I'm sure you do, so... Yep. And always D&D tomorrow night. That's right. So, that's, that's good. We got to get our naps in and all mm-hmm. that. Well, I want to thank everybody that... Uh, suffered through my incessant ramblings on the voice of survival and listening to my awesome friend travis chronicle his life uh check us out on the journey into comics network where you get all kinds of great shows you get journey into comics you get journey into wrestling the voice of survival butt stuff literature bruise with dudes the poor report I'm sure I'm missing one because I'm really bad. Podcastrophe. I, I probably didn't even say my own show, Podcastrophe. Um, but check out our Patreon, journeyinthecomics.com slash, or patreon.com slash journeyinthecomics. I'm so bad at, bad at plugs. I had a really good one, like, mid-episode, and then I, I can't fuck up. I yeah. fuck up the one at the very yeah, end. Yeah, the, the most important one. And I'm not even drinking like I normally am on Podcastrophy, but for $1 a month, you get shows as soon as they're edited and uploaded, so you get to check out all that cool content that you don't have to wait for. For $3 a month, you get exclusive bonus content. Right now, we're doing The Road to Infinity War, so every show on the network... Um, is reviewing one of the Marvel Cinematic Universe movies every week up until Infinity War drops on April 27th. So check us out. Donate if you'd like. We'd really appreciate it. Follow us on social medias. It's everywhere. Facebook, Instagram. Facebook, Instagram. Don't forget Game Addicts. They're on a separate feed. I forgot to plug them. I'm really fucking bad at this. I'm like the one person. I like to talk a lot, but I should not be a host. Because the whole time I'm saying something, my mind is thinking about something else. It's like, hey, I need to say this next. And then I slur my words together. And I should stop talking now. So thanks for everybody for checking us out. Thanks for having me. Make every day a big dick day. That's podcast for you. Bye.